You are listening to Season 1 of Full Circle, a podcast hosted by Ethan Song. Hear about the founding story of today's leading athletic brands and learn about the trends that are reshaping the business of sports. This podcast is presented by Rare Circles, the all-in-one customer experience platform for retail. Welcome to Full Circle Conversations. Uh, Ethan, I heard you had Andrea Morris from uh, Be Half Moon on. Yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, Andrea doesn't really give a lot of interviews, and so you won't find that much information about her own personal journey. And so I felt really fortunate uh, that she gave us that hour to share both her personal journey as it relates to yoga and her practice and the story of Be Half Moon itself. Awesome. And do you want to share maybe a little tidbit before we, uh, before we jump in? Yeah, with, with Andrea, you know, I find a lot of founders in the sports and active space and, and obviously yoga, you know, is between active and wellness. Like it starts with the sport itself, or it starts with the action itself, not with the business opportunity. And so for her, she discovered basically yoga years before um, she actually got into the business of yoga. And so she was a practitioner for years, uh, but it was always, you know, in the back of her mind. And I find a lot of founders in the space, it's like that, you know, the like let's say you're 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 cycling and you you've been cycling for and there's a piece of the garment that you don't like you're like I could fix and it's there for years for years and eventually you decide to take it and that's really the story of Andrea and she started with basically uh, the B mat uh, her company was first called B Yoga and the B mat basically became like you know an iconic mat that you'll find in, in yoga gyms all around the world and her differentiator was just to make sure that she could make the absolute best product uh, with the best material. And that didn't exist at the time. Um, you know, another interesting thing that we talk about in the episode is the fact that, you know, Be Yoga became Be Half Moon uh, through like an M&A process where she went out and bought this other yoga company called Half Moon. So even sharing a little bit of like, hey, how does like a relatively small company, you know, acquire another company, integrate them? I thought those those were also interesting business uh, learnings there. Yeah, so you don't you don't really hear a lot of like small small private companies doing M&A in, in, in this category. So that, that's really interesting. Um, where's the brand heading next? Yeah. So, I mean, like the, like B Yoga itself has been started, has been around for more than 10 years and Half Moon actually even longer. And so the brand's, you know, getting to basically its, its second decade. So it was interesting to speak about um, the vision uh, that Andrea has for the brand going forward. And for them, once again, for itself, it's so personal, right? The brand's so personal that in that case, really the brand will kind of follow where her own personal journey uh, goes. And she was very much interested in exploring everything around, you know, the idea of wellness itself, which includes like other activities outside of yoga, like meditation and Pilates and breathing techniques. And so she believes that that space is only in its infancy and it's going to grow a lot more. Amazing. All right, let's jump in. Let's do it. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Ethan. I must admit, my fiance is actually a big fan uh, of your uh, yoga mats um, from Be Yoga. And I'm really excited to learn more about your journey because I feel like that product has kind of quietly become a cult product uh, amongst yogis. Of, I guess I'm one of them, maybe not, you know, my practice is not as deep as some others, but it's definitely something that I see almost in every yoga studio that I go into. Um, so just to get started, I would love to learn a little bit about your own personal journey before we get into the business. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have to say that hearing that never gets old. It every Anytime I hear that one person after the other, it still warms my heart and is humbling and shocking and, and all those wonderful things. Um, 
But my personal story is um, I've always been sort of a driven, hardworking, soft-spoken individual. I've always wanted to pursue something kind of on my own terms, very entrepreneurial. I think I come by that relatively honestly. My my father is an entrepreneur and it just feels like it's always been in my blood. I've never been attracted to working for a large company or anything like that. Um, but I did my Bachelor of Commerce at McGill University too many moons ago. And um, after graduating with that degree, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I went down to Australia for the year and pursued an international master's degree. And that's where um, I found yoga, or as I've started saying, yoga found me. Um, I was the only Canadian in my program there. And I, as I kind of mentioned, I was a little bit shy and I was in my early 20s, kind of unsure of myself, not knowing where I was going and not feeling really rooted in my, t in my time there. Um, but what I was just taken by was the culture of wellness that was so profound and pervasive throughout Australia. That was in 2003. So over 20 years ago, it's remarkable to me. And that that culture rooted me in my experience and kind of gave me a connection, helped me connect to myself and find confidence in a time when I wasn't feeling sort of um, sure of myself. And I was growing into myself as a young 20-something-year-old. So that's where I really got into yoga while studying international business. So there was this seed of inspiration planted whereby I just kind of from that point forward had this knowing that I would somehow get into the quote unquote business of yoga. But of course, I had no idea how. I was just taken by, you know, every street corner there was a yoga studio and people were surfing and running. And instead of hot dog stands, it was fruit stands. And I worked at a smoothie making bar to to make a little bit of extra money and crystals and tarot cards and just everything that I still am passionate about now. So that's really where it started. Um, and I know you asked about me, but my business and my journey is so rooted in wellness that that is kind of the root. The root of my business is really the root of me as well. Yeah, I, w I was curious. You know, I think every entrepreneur has a different path um, to how they find uh, both their passion and, and their business. In your case, so you, you discovered yoga as, you know, a practice that you took on personally. Um, but the business didn't start right away, right? That kind of came later. So I was actually curious to learn more about your journey uh, before you founded the company. Right. So uh, I got back from Australia and it was time for me to enter the workforce. No more gallivanting, no more traveling. Andrea had to get serious. Um, and I had no idea what I wanted to do again. Um, so truthfully, I did some inter inter informational interviews, excuse me, um, in the Toronto area where I was rooted. And embarrassingly, I took the first job I was offered, which was working, working for a marketing agency. That ended up being a great avenue for me, but it wasn't a super intentional, well-thought-out avenue. Um, I am a creative person and through working for agencies, I really learned how to operate at the intersection of creativity, business development, and, um, kind of like account management, which has served me throughout uh, my entrepreneurial journey. Um, but yeah, I was, I worked for marketing agencies for about, I don't know, eight or nine years and I excelled. I did quite well in that capacity. Um. 
because I'm a hard worker and and I just put my head down and and did the work, um, and that boded well for me. But I got to a point where I just felt like there was a glass ceiling and I just didn't have enough opportunity to really expand my horizons much further. That's when I took a leap of faith and reached out to my father, who, as I mentioned earlier, is entrepreneurial. And I said to him, father, any opportunity for me to join the family business? And he handed me off to his right-hand man, who eventually um, took me on to work for him. And that's where I um, really got out of my comfort zone because I joined my father's business, which is all B2B industrial manufacturing businesses under a holding company, a world that I really was unfamiliar with. It was also all operated entirely by men over the age of 50. And I was a young woman, the boss's daughter in my 20s. So I joined this company and I did not want to be labeled as the entitled boss's daughter female. So I worked even harder in that capacity. I had some random title and I really had to make it my own. And I um, put my head down, helped the business kind of helped my father's business uh, delve into new forays. And eventually they put me in charge of running a foam manufacturing business, which was a huge step for me because, again, industrial manufacturing, that is not my sweet, sweet spot. But management and business development and managing people became a sweet spot, sweet spots for me. So they, they saw something in me. They put me in charge of that business. And that's where I ended up in the R&D lab, finding a grippy rubber and saying half jokingly to Sathy, who was our 70-year-old R&D specialist who my dad, you know, signed his immigration papers in 1990. Um, I said to Sathy, this would make a great yoga mat. And I was half joking. He laughed. But the moment I said it, I could not forget it. I could not get it out of my head. At this point, I was in my mid to late 20s and hypersocial with my boyfriend, who's now my husband. Um, and I found myself leaving engagement parties and things like that that I always enjoyed. I, kept, I was leaving these engagements early to go and build a business plan. So that's when I was like, OK, there's something here. Um, and that's where I built the business plan for what became Be Yoga be, in finding this grippy rubber compound. I sold it to the board of um, my father's business, it was totally off track for them um, being in industrial manufacturing for the most part. But they really um, felt my passion and my conviction and gave me, I think it was $30,000 to go off and build this business. So that's kind of the history before Be Yoga became Be Yoga. It's a great story. I mean, you know, when you I think, I think Steve Jobs said that you can always connect the dots backward, but sometimes you just don't know until you get there. And in your case, it definitely makes a lot of sense now. Um, I wanted to ask you, is that you found the material, obviously, which created the, you know, the yoga mat, but did you always want to kind of get back or get into the business of yoga from those early days? Was that kind of always on your mind as well? It was always on my mind. So I had a journal on my bedside table for like, seven years or more where I just was trying to come up with the idea. I needed an idea and I was completely impassioned by more specifically yoga at the time. And now I've really realized it's wellness and it's expanded. 
But yeah, since that time in Australia, I've had this desire to build the business of yoga, to build a business in yoga. It's been moved to the back burner when I was building my career in marketing. It was moved to the back burner. And then it moved back forward when I felt like my growth kind of was curtailed there. Um, But it's always sort of subtly or not so subtly been there as a goal of mine. Um, And that journal on the side of my bedside table never really brought any great ideas. It was just this rubber compound in the R&D lab that really um, fueled the idea that became the Be Mad and Be Yoga and now Be Half Moon. Yeah, that's amazing. And like, can you tell us a little bit about this mat? Um, obviously, why did you think that this compound was better than what was there? And what did you think you could achieve that basically was either not available or we thought was like a great idea? It was, um, I mean, simply put, it was the grip factor. So when I knew, I know rubber's durable. I know it's eco-friendly. Um, I knew it would produce a high-performing mat, but it was really the grip factor that was would create the wow factor. And so I got prototypes. Um, ma- I had prototypes made, sampled them myself, sampled them with yogis in the Toronto yoga community, and the feedback was astoundingly positive. And and that's how the BMAT started. And it was all really organic. I had nothing to lose. I was young and naive. Like I'm sure you hear this with many entrepreneurs. You have to have that, often have that element of naivete where you don't know how hard it's going to be. You don't know the challenges you're going to hit. So you dive right in. And that's certainly what what happened with me. Yeah, definitely. I feel like you if you know too much, you're not going to do it. <laughs> That's often the, the story that I hear. So sometimes if you know a little bit less, it's actually to your advantage because then you can reinvent everything from scratch. So you had this mat. Um, and what was the process of getting into market? Like, how did you get your first 100 customers? Yeah, so um, I had proof of concept with the samples. Um, and subsequently, I launched... Um, at a trade show, the Toronto Yoga Conference in April of 2014. So almost 10 years ago, our big anniversary is coming up. Um, I should rewind. I created the product was number one. And then I created the brand, number two. And I really created something that I believed in. I didn't overthink it. I went with what felt right. And we were at a really unique time where independent brands were starting to come out of the woodwork. And the more mass brands were becoming less coveted and less cachet, even examples like, you know, Starbucks losing its cachet and the independent local coffee shops really coming out and gaining notoriety and popularity. I saw that in yoga as well, where not everyone wanted to practice on a Lululemon mat, which at the time, that's what I was practicing on. So there's a timing element in building that independent brand. And then... Um, I essentially seated mats with studios in Toronto and officially launched at the Toronto Yoga Conference. And that was my true test, that conference. It was an exceptional consumer trade show. I've been to a lot of trade shows in my previous career and current. And this was the, this is always the best. Um, probably attracted 30,000 yogi consumers over four days. And I literally had a demo, demo table platform, not table laid out in the booth and a mat on the platform. And I said to people walking by, hey, please try this. 
they would get into their downward dog and the resounding feedback was like, oh, wow, or oh my goodness, this will change my practice. And I ended up selling, I don't remember how many mats, but I think it was like $7,000 worth of mats. So I could do the math there um, over those four days and coming out of that trade show being like, okay, we have something. So that, I should say, was the proof of concept. And that was probably our first, I don't know how many customers. And soon thereafter, we started getting wholesale studio demand from all the studios I seated the mats with. And that is where um, the heart of Be Yoga at the time and Be Half Moon today really lies, is in the studios. And we just started processing orders for these studios and then replenishment orders, and it became this flywheel. Um, the first three years of Bioka's existence, we didn't have a salesperson, but we just had this flowing demand from trial of this incredible product. So that's really simply how it started. And it really, the key was the studio channel. That's where the demand and awareness and trial really started. And to this day, it's, it's a very important channel for us. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I, mean, I do feel like a lot of people, when you think about starting a business, you know, they'll just like, okay, advertise online, right? But I, I think what you found was actually tap into a pre-existing community, leverage the networks that are already there. So uh, I'm sure it allowed you to like grow a little bit more efficiently, at least in the early days. Uh, I was curious, like, when did you figure out that that was a strategy? Like you were probably just following your instinct, but when did you actually realize, oh, this is actually something we can scale? Um, this was my, as they call side hustle off the side of my desk for the first four years of its existence. So I was still running the other business of my father's. Um, and I really didn't know or think too strategically, to be frank, about what I had for the first year and a half. Um, when did it become, when did I realize I had something significant to scale? Probably a little bit later down the road um, when I acquired Half Moon four years into the life of what was Be Yoga. Um, that's when I really like started to build out a team and build out a more strategic growth metrics and growth plans and scalability and all of those things. So it took quite some time. Um, and I was fortunate to be able to balance building Be Yoga and having two young kids in tandem with running another business. So having an income to support me through that time. Um, that's not often the case. So I'm really grateful that I had that support. Um, yeah, so it took, it took three to four years before I got to that point. You know, obviously having seen your product in studios, there's something about your products that like speaks about quality. Um, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that says that. And there's also, I think, because you distribute at first through studios, it feels like professional grade year. And I don't think that existed in yoga. Obviously, that exists in running and cycling. Is that was that always your vision to create the absolute best product? Yeah, from from day one. Thanks to I mean, I couldn't have launched the yoga without the B mat. The product is was first, and then the brand and community was a very close second. So my my mo starting with the B mat is everything has to be unique, special, different. Those three words, that phrase is known internally by my team to this day, where it's kind of our litmus test with any new product that we bring to market. Is this truly unique, special, different? If not, how can it be? 
Um, so that's definitely been a guiding force for from day one and continues to be for to this day for sure. And I'm so glad that you kind of see that um, in market because it's something that we put a lot of deliberate attention towards. And you talked a little bit about your community and and like, you know, which relates to your brand values. You know, when you look at the brand, that does seem to be an important part of your culture. Can you describe what your values are and what are you doing to ensure um, that they are being followed and protected? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we launched, our values were kind of intrinsic and not really ex overtly shared and spoken. But probably two to three years in, as we started growing and building a larger team, I, I actually put a lot of intention into defining these values, gaining internal alignment on the values that were always unspoken but known. And I, I really am proud of the work we did there early on. And to this day, we work so hard to reinforce the values, which I will share internally, which in turn, I think, results in, in them being felt and, and perceived externally in our broader community. And our, we have four values. They are well-being for all um, and globally, connection with heart. So connecting in truly intentional, meaningful ways with anyone we encounter. That's all the way from customer satisfaction to our marketing communications more broadly. Making an impact, not just from our products, but from our platform. So supporting change makers in the wellness space. We are very close to our B Corp um, certification, which I think really speaks to that. And then lastly is living with integrity. So really speaking our truths internally as managers, as leaders, and externally in whatever we're communicating to the, to the world. So those are our four values, which we have lived by and believed in um, from day one, and we're really proud of them. And I think they're a really big element of our culture, um, which is very strong. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And like when when I browse your website or look at, at your social media, I also noticed that content was something that played an important role, and I think in the ways that you share your values, but also you know support your local communities. Can we talk a little bit about how you think content fits into like your brand's, I don't know if you want to call it a strategy, but at least your brand's ethos? Yeah. Um, it's Our content is very much, as you said, it's driven by our community. So as you, you know, we call in you know, UGC, user-generated content, we from day one have been fortunate to receive a lot of that because... Um, our community is impassioned by and inspired by our products. So that's been sort of one really um, easy element for us over 10 years is we always have this beautiful, inspired content that's coming from our community that we can leverage to build an even bigger community and to reinforce our brand values and ethos. So it's definitely played a role. Um, in the beginning, it was all we had. We we didn't have a budget for photo shoots or any other content. So we we're very fortunate to be able to have um, this community-driven content to leverage. And to this day, it's just, as you said, it's like a, it's a huge element of our brand and community DNA. So when did you decide to release like your second or third or fourth product um, after Matt, which, you know, was, was a large success? 
How did you decide on what those projects should be and when did that happen? Yeah, so um, in the beginning, it was very unprofessional. It was me and another girl working part-time. And um, we knew that when studios purchase mats, they often purchase blocks, likewise with end consumers. So we quickly um, developed a block that was actually supplied by our mat manufacturer. So it was really easy to source. And we did ensure that it was unique, special, different in small ways. We really did look at that. We The block has you know curved edges so it doesn't hurt or dig in too much and when you're when you're leveraging it. It was lighter weight and things like that. So even on, you know, more commodity based, left less differentiated products, we still had that unique special different angle. Um interestingly, you know, we started with the mat and then we had blocks and then we launched a strap, which was also under that unique special different guise, more from a design perspective. And then I really wanted to get into soft goods, um, which is, you know, bolsters, meditation cushions, blankets, because that would really round out our offering. We have the key hard goods. And then in turn, we want the key soft goods. And um, I looked at a local manufacturing source in Toronto, didn't work out, looked at sourcing overseas, didn't work out. And as soon as I felt like I was hitting a dead end, the founder of Half Moon, no joke, reached out to me saying, Andrea, I love what you're doing with the yoga. I see that your ethos um, really mirrors Half Moon's ethos and you understand kind of, we have a similar understanding of how to build in this, in this um, category. I'm looking to retire. I'm taking a huge leap of faith as we're friendly competitors. Are you interested in buying Half Moon? And that was a huge pinch me moment, but also the perfect timing because I was endeavoring to get into the business of soft goods, which is what Half Moon has been known for now for 35 years. So that was a big, big milestone and step towards expanding our product offering and really having that one-stop shop offering. And that was four years into Bioga's life. I mean, I think I think talking about this acquisition, obviously the brand today is known as Be Half Moon. Um, at first, I think you ran the brand separately, and I guess you you like you know you worked on the brand, you do the distribution and the sales. At what point did you feel like it was important to bring the brands together under the same name? Yeah, um, when we were in the process of acquiring Half Moon, I worked with a branding agency that that actually created the Biyoga logo and visual identity to really look at, you know, where are the brands today um, from a positioning perspective? Where do they overlap? Where, how are they different? And at that point, the idea of merging the two brands was on the table, but it just, at the end of the day, didn't feel right. So obviously we kept the brand separate and that was six years ago in February. Um, but I always knew um, when Be Yoga and Half Moon became sister brands, as we called them, I always knew the eventuality would be to bring the two brands together, um, really primarily to drive efficiencies. And because there was a lot of overlap, certainly the same customer base, and um, increasingly the brands were just becoming more similar versus dissimilar. So I knew this would happen eventually. In doing so this past summer, summer of 2023, um, the feedback has been really positive. And 
resent people are saying, you know, this is super intuitive. We expected this. Um, it just felt like organically, naturally accepted in the market. So we're happy we've done it. From an operations perspective, it was a lot of work to merge two brands to, um, you know, we have heritage brand inventory and to manage all of those elements. But um, the reception of the market to the to the brand itself has been really, really positive. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as a marketer, it was a bit of a puzzle uh, to to make that work. And, and I'm sure there was also like challenges or worries, right? That like, what could be the impact on a business? Uh, I'm curious, like any like learnings that, you know, you can share uh, about like kind of integrating two brands together that, you know, maybe other founders can learn from? Yeah, um, a lot of learnings for sure. I would say from a branding perspective, we tried to hold on to heritage elements of both brands. So um, we tried to, without convoluting the brand, really take all the good elements or the beloved elements of each brand and merge them into one. And I think that that was a huge process. That took about six months in and of itself. And I'm really proud of the result there. So really being intentional in holding on to what works and trying to create something new at the same time. Um, so that's one element is, is to take your time. Like it's not a small undertaking. Um, and then the other elements of, you know, um, moving through old inventory, that's a big one. And, um, we, we really recognize that we did more discounting last year to move through some of the, what we're calling heritage inventory. And we were really conscious of the fact that, um, Doing so for a short period of time would not be brand damaging. And that took me a while to acknowledge and um, root myself in. But I firmly believe that when you're moving through, a, a, you know, an evolution like this, as we call it, that it's okay to do a little bit more discounting over a short period of time and recognize that it's not going to ultimately damage your brand. I was, I was trepidatious about that, but I, I learned through doing that it, it, it was okay. Yeah, that that totally makes sense, and and I guess you're you're just in the process, right? I think time will will even further uh, enhance that. Now, I think you've been doing this for almost ten years now, with the first four years kind of being more part time, and then eventually uh, working on it full time. Looking back, like what were some key moments that you remember? Oh, key. I'm sure there's many, but maybe we can pick one or two here. Couple milestones. Um, my first employee was is one. And she stayed with me for five years and was made a huge mark on the business. And I'm forever grateful for her and indebted for her to her. Um, my leadership journey is is not, you know, marked by one moment, but I've I've really grown a lot in that capacity. And I'm really grateful for that. I've learned a lot about myself. It translates into parenting and and vice versa. Parenting has taught me about leadership. Um, the Half Moon acquisition was certainly a big one that was a milestone. And um, that was really hard, merging two cultures and two brands and two operations um, to become not one brand, but one operation and one culture. That was probably the biggest mountain that I've climbed. And then now with the brand evolution, obviously, it was a huge milestone for us just this past year. So that's what comes to mind off the top of my head. It's such a journey, and um, I'm so grateful for the learnings for my team and for the community that we have. 
And like in terms of the yoga space itself, right? You've been sort of involved in this space for over 20 years now. You know, Lululemon is, is even older than that. Um, I feel like sometimes that it's matured a lot, but sometimes it still feels very new uh, to a lot of people and even still strange <laughs> to a lot of people that, that don't practice. Where do you think we are in, in the development of like yoga itself and of the industry? Yeah, I think yoga, and I could obviously, I don't have a crystal ball, I could be wrong. I think yoga actually peaked in popularity about five years ago, just before COVID. That being said, I think wellness as a whole is just getting started. And I think, broadly speaking, society's interest in wellness, um, you know, how to enhance their well-being through various intentional ways of living, we're just, you know, at the tip of the iceberg with regards to opportunities there. And it's interesting, you know, 10 years ago, yoga was a primary kind of modality for me when it came to wellness. But my wellness journey has evolved, especially post-kids. Now, I do a lot of Pilates, and I'm really into crystals, and I'm into breathwork. And our business, Be Half Moon, has also evolved in that way, as, you know, akin to my journey where we're offering props for Pilates and other movement mechanisms. We're offering breathwork supports. We now offer crystals. So I think yoga really peaked, and I could be completely wrong, about five years ago, but I think the broader category of well-being and wellness supports is just getting started. Yeah, I definitely think that the the arc of that is much bigger, I think, than what a lot of people anticipate, especially in the early days. And it's it's truly like a lifestyle and a change, I think, in people's values. And I wanted to ask you, how do you think about competition? Um, obviously, you know, with, with online, uh, especially everyone's saying like, just too competitive. There's like so many products out there. There's like knockoffs of my products. How do you think about that? A few things. Um, I've never seen the likes of Lululemon or Aloe as direct competition. I see them more as like fashion brands. Um, I do. There is certainly, there are competitors within our set, but I don't see those as competitors. Um, I am a competitive person, so I'm more competitive with myself though. You know, how can we continue to strive to do better? How can we grow in this category? How can we inspire community more? So I look at it from that angle. Um, and I'm more of a promoter of continuous improvement and growth than, oh, what are they doing? down there or what's the competition doing of course it's important to have that information but i i more look internally to how can we always be bettering ourselves versus looking externally at what our neighbors are doing i'm curious like obviously you know the, the biggest category in your space is apparel um have you ever considered getting into it i know that you do sell some um but is that like a category that's ever, i'm sure you've thought about it like why would you get into it why would you not get into it i'm really curious to know yeah, uh, we get that question a lot, especially with a lot of our studio partners. Um, and therefore, I think about it a lot. And I I oscillate on that one. Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, let's do it. And then other times I'm like, slow your roll, Andrea. I, you know, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. I know, you know, managing inventory for multiple sizes. And of course, we would want to be inclusive. So have everything from extra, extra small to extra, extra, extra large. All those considerations. It's just a lot. and. Um, 
ultimately we have not delved into that, but it certainly piques my interest. And we get that question. It's probably the number one question we get. Are you getting into apparel? And the answer is unknown yet at this point. Yeah. I mean, for as someone who has been in the apparel business, I, I would say it's the revenues are definitely there, but it's harder to make money or to, to make the business sustainable and profitable because things change so fast. And like you said, in terms of like sizing and inventory, um, I think the beauty of what you're doing now is that it's something that is seasonless and kind of timeless, right? To a certain extent. Uh, and there's a lot of strength to that. But I, I do think also that, yeah, it's something that, you know, is worth considering because of your reputation in terms of the quality of the product that you offer. Um, I was curious, like, you know, obviously you started, you know, more almost like doing B2B sales to studios and were they also selling it to their members or they were just buying it for the studio? I guess both yeah. probably. Yeah, exactly. Studios are a hybrid model. Some studios will just buy props and use them in the space. Um, other studios will buy goods and use them in the space and retail them. Very few studios will just buy our product to retail them, but that also does happen. So it's definitely a hybrid. It's a very unique channel. Um, yeah. They're, you know, they're not professional buyers like Sport Check or Sporting Life. They are yogis or movement or mindfulness enthusiasts first and buyers second or third. It's almost like their fifth hat often. So it's a really unique channel, but it's definitely the heart of our business. And so, yeah, I was curious, like, how do you think about distribution? Because obviously, like, you know, one way is, hey, add apparel and go in that direction. The other way is almost to think yourself as like a, a water bottle company and just increase distribution on the same few SKUs. I was curious how you were thinking about that. Yeah. We see a lot of opportunity to grow um, globally, so more looking at things from a geographical perspective. Um, interestingly, Canada over-indexes on yoga, so um, I think yogis per capita, we are number one in the world, which is a good place to start the business. Um, but there's so much opportunity geographically with our existing base of goods in the United States and then in Europe and, and beyond. So that's geographical growth is is our primary focus right now um and really our neighbors to the south are showcasing a lot of interest and and we're really working on expanding there and primarily through the studio channel but with the studio channel we find that that fuels demand on our direct to consumer sites and um and then other other channels from there like major accounts major um retailers so I wanted to finish like our conversation by asking a few like more personal questions so that our audience can get to learn a little bit more about you. Um, I was curious, like what's your own personal wellness like regimen on a weekly basis? Like what are the different activities or things that you will do? Yeah, it's very simple. Um, being a, a mom and like everyone, we're all so busy. My wellness regime is pretty simple. Sleep. I mean, I've I've gone through years with less sleep and it's, Sleep is such sleep is so instrumental to our well-being. So I really endeavor to get as much sleep as I can. Number one. Number two, movement. If I miss movement, if I don't move at least four times a week, I feel that. Movement is medicine for me. It's therapy. It's 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 such a huge part of my life. So I squeeze that in, whether it's even if it's micro movement in certain ways throughout the week. And I don't have a set modality. I am a creature of change. I love change. So I try new studios. I, I just try to like mix it up because that keeps me interested. Um, I do believe in micro meditations. So 
probably four times a week during the weekday, I'll take a moment at about noon and do a short meditation through the open app. Um, and then eating well without depriving myself. So I'm a huge believer in nourishing my body with food um, and while also accepting of the fact that I can have French fries on the weekend and I do not feel guilty about it. So it's really simple. It's very basic, but that's ultimately what I've learned over the years serves me best. How do you think about like goal setting? Is that something you do? Is that something you don't believe in? I do. Um, I do. I certainly believe in like the power of manifestation and like, you know, the Joe Dispenza mentality of kind of espousing or behaving like your future self now in order to create that future. Um, I'm really interested in everything that he's sharing right now with the world and trying to to act that way. Um, I'm not I don't set like like long and hard goals, you know, achieve X by this date. I'm more of like a visionary type goal setter. Um, but I do try to keep my eye on on those things for sure. I do, and I do believe in the power of that. What's a book about yoga or meditation or wellness in general that you've read recently that you'd love to share? One that I always go back to and actually the team reads is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's super simple. Um, I'm, are you familiar with it? I, I have not read it, no. It's, I'll tell you what they are. And it's like a quick read, but it's just so profoundly true. And I don't know. I'll, I'll just tell you what the four agreements are. Use your words impeccably. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And um, that's something we've led with internally from day one. And it's something that I always fall back on. And I find that it just, it can resonate with anyone. And it's just really supportive of a healthy environment. What's like your favorite meditation app or meditation course? Uh, open. I'm super inspired by what they've done in a very short period of time. Even just following them on Instagram, every post is so inspirational and profound. So I'm, I'm really drawn to what they're doing right now. Yeah, I'm trying out Open as well. I mean, for me, it was like the aesthetic yeah. uh, that I thought was like beautiful and, and intriguing and, and mysterious. And so I'd love to try to go to a studio as well. I think it's in L.A. That would be incredible. I will meet you there. Um, the aesthetic, I agree, is just stunning. And I'm a very visual person, so I'm drawn to that too. What advice would you give someone that wants to start uh, their own brand? Well, as you know all too well, um, starting your own business is a huge undertaking. And so you want to make sure it's something you're truly, you truly believe in, you're truly impassioned by because it becomes a huge part of your life. So that's pretty simple, but I firmly believe that. And the other thing is, I've truly learned, maybe this resonates with you, that every challenge is actually an opportunity in disguise. When in one way or another, over time, I've learned. So really recognizing that when you're going through more challenging times. And final question I wanted to ask you today is, now obviously your company has been around for 10 years. Like, What do you think the next 10 years will look like? Ironically, in 10 years, I would like to be doing more movement and more yoga. So, you know, running a business is full on and I would never trade it for the world. And I've learned so much and it's just like the ride of a lifetime, but I'd like to have more time to 
spend with my family, travel, be outside, and practicing more movement and mindfulness. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Ethan. It's been a pleasure.